0: We're going to be in John 11 again today. The truth about God's grace. Subtitle, Everyday Resurrection. Everyday Resurrection. How many know in Christ we're always arising? We're rising up. Amen? Because we serve a God who is more than enough. We are so complete in Him, yet there's so much more to discover. But the Lazarus story is more about us which is John 11. It's all about Lazarus. I don't know why they put on my Bible, maybe it's on yours, but I don't know why they put the death of Lazarus because he didn't die. He got rose from the dead. You know, he just took a break. He understood what rest was. <laughs> Amen. But John 11, verses 1 through 4, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary, I like that, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord Jesus with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord. Again, why did they use the word Lord? Because they were intimate with him. They were more than just buddies. They were intimate. Lord is a, a word of intimacy. I don't know about you, but I use that word a lot when I'm talking to him. Amen? And anointed his with Him with fragrant oil and wiped His feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Lazarus was sick. I never noticed this before. I think I might have mentioned it last week, but the last two letters of the word Lazarus is all about us. Us is there, and when Jesus heard, when Jesus heard that, he said, "The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it." Let's go down to verse nine. And Jesus answered, "Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he..." Does not stumble because he does, he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. How many know what he's talking about? The difference between being born again and not. There's a big difference of being able to see and not see. And then verse 11, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Now you all know that the disciples were clueless, right? Clueless. I mean, they had no idea what was going on. I think there's still some disciples that are clueless. You know, because they're about an inch deep and 50 feet high. You know, they, need, they just need more. We just need to understand that so much revelation God has for us. And then if you go down to verse 14, it says, Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Let us go to Him. And then in verse 23, Jesus said to her, "To Your brother will rise again. Talking to Martha. And Martha said to Him, I know, verse 24, I know that He will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Clueless. Didn't know what Jesus was going to do. Didn't know the next step. That's why we need to be good followers. Amen? Because Jesus always has a surprise for us. I had no idea I'd be in this building in Lakewood. No. This was not my choice. But this was God's choice. And I was a follower. So I just followed along. Amen? And then verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me Though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, still with no idea. What is the next step? Where are we going? Verse 34, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Come and see. Verse 39, He said, Take away the stone. And Martha said, He stinks. He's been dead four days. You don't want to go in there and approach Him at all. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And then the bottom of verse 41, Jesus says, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. You want a good definition of prayer? There it is. God hears you when you pray. And that's why Jesus did what he did. He could have just went in and took care of Lazarus lickety-split, but he prayed to show the people around him the power of prayer. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And then he says in verse 43 with a loud voice. I'm not going to scream it. Lazarus, come forth. And then in verse 44 at the bottom he says, Loose him, unwrap him, and let him go. we know the end of the story but Mary and Martha like many today stand outside their tombs and they only knew death that's all they knew Mary and Martha only knew death they had no other they didn't know what else could happen and Jesus arrived and stepped toward the tomb no one in the crowd knew what he would say and imagining what it was like in real life awkward and quiet hearing the footsteps of Jesus moving toward the tomb in determination must have been stunning to say the least. And all eyes were riveted on Him. One could hear the muffled whispers of the doubters. And perhaps prayers of His friends to do the unthinkable, the unprecedented, the amazing things that were about to take place. So Jesus began His move step by step. Like the book, Baby Steps. Toward the man he deeply loved, each step marked love's determination to transform Lazarus. Each step defined the radical power of God's love for each of us here today. Four days dead, say four days dead. I know four days means He's dead. Amen? And His body is already decomposing, leaving a smell that would be hard to approach. And Jesus speaks to a dead man in a tomb three important words that everyone could hear because He shouted them out. And after He prayed in public to His Father for everyone to hear, those three words were simple. Lazarus, come forth. Don't you feel like shouting it sometimes? Lazarus, come forth. You could hear the movement in the tomb. The creaking of bones. And the joints that had been disjointed. Something within a quiet tomb was suddenly changing within life. Change. Transformation was taking place right before all their eyes. They couldn't see it, but they could hear it. Life changed transformation like never before in the history of man because all Mary and Martha knew was death. And all everybody knew in that community before it ever happened was death. But love spoke. Love acted and love would transform. How many know a love wins every time? 1 Corinthians 13.8 Love never fails. And the Word now made flesh, Jesus would speak something from the depths of His own soul that defied death's power and revealed the Father's glory. Nothing could match love's power Nothing. And when love speaks, we always awaken to his voice. You did not choose me, but I chose you. John 15, 16 says. He chose us long before we ever chose him. He's chasing us. He's chasing the whole world, by the way. He's not just chasing you, he's just not chasing me. He's in love with the whole world. See, John goes further than than any other New Testament writer to reveal to us that God's voice is not the voice of wrath. It's not the voice of condemnation. It's not the voice of shame or guilt or hatred or rejection or betrayal. And no matter what we've grown up believing about Jesus, the story of Lazarus shows us that Jesus speaks in one voice. It's the voice of love. It's the voice of love. So in Jesus' word to Lazarus, we hear the same voice of love that we can hear ourselves today. We learn through Lazarus that only love transforms a person. If you've tried fear, it doesn't work. If you've tried hate, it doesn't work. If you've tried rules, it doesn't work. The only thing that transforms a person is love. Hug them. Hold them. Comfort them. Feed them. Be with them. Spend time with them. Just love them. Even when they're not worthy. Even when nobody else wants them. And we learn through Lazarus that only love can transform a person. Not power. Not information, not even effort. We learn through Lazarus the beauty of listening to that love. This is one of the greatest spiritual callings in our journey. And Lazarus' body and soul was lifeless when Jesus showed up, unresponsive, rigor rigor mortis had set in. And perhaps these words describe some people you know in their spiritual life right now. I mean, has your career come to a dead end? Has COVID caused some disruptions in your life? Is your marriage dancing on ice? Does God seem so far away that you can't even imagine hearing Him speak to you? Let me tell you something. Hearing Jesus speak your name is the first step in emerging from the tomb and moving towards your transformation. Jesus always, speaks your name. If you can't even hear that, then you need to work on that one little step. Listen for Jesus to speak your name. Not your friend's name. Not Pastor Mike. Not your teacher. Not your counselor. When he invites you to come forth, it's his personal invitation of love for you alone to come forward into life, into change, and into transformation. See, one of my favorite Scriptures in the Bible is found eight chapters before the chapter 11 in chapter that we were in, in the chapter in John. And it's John 3.16. How many know that verse? Not because you see it on a football game or a basketball game on a placard. But John 3.16, for God so loved... What did He love? The world. Love the world. Not willing that any would perish, Amen. Not willing that not, not even one. That he gave his only one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that word, one word in that, that verse, believes, because they were. Jesus was asked several times, "What what what is the greatest thing, greatest work I could do?" And in John six twenty nine, Jesus says, "The greatest work you could do is believe, believe." And this verse, like no other, speaks of God's expansive love for all of humankind. The whole world is loved by God. Yet, when John tells the story of Lazarus, we do not hear that God loves the world, or do we? We hear how God loves ordinary people like us who live in this world. And in the story of Lazarus, God's love changes everything for everybody, for all Time so from John three sixteen, God's love for the world. Here in John eleven three, we see God's love narrows down to an individual named Lazarus, and we learn that God loved Lazarus who was sick. And John records this in John eleven five that Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and then the Jews at the grave in John eleven thirty six. Note how much Jesus loved. Lazarus, because in John 11, it said, or 35, it says Jesus wept, knowing what He was going to do, knowing why He was sent, knowing long before He got to the tomb, what was going to happen. There's a scripture in the book of Amos that Jesus said He doesn't do anything unless He tells His prophets first what He's going to do. Amen. And John goes on so far to say that Lazarus is Jesus' friend in John 11.11, even before the rest of the followers of Jesus are named friends in John 15. Did you know that? And then Lazarus, love gets specific. And when love gets specific, let me tell you what love does. When it gets specific, transformation happens in your heart. Change, life, change. Christian psychologist and author David Benner tells us this. There is nothing more important in life than learning to love and be loved. There is nothing more important in life than learning to love and be loved. Love speaks to the depths of our souls where we yearn for release from isolation and long for belonging that will assure us we are At last, home. See, the story of Lazarus becomes a defining moment in our own spiritual lives. Our own spiritual advancement. Because it reminds us that we are the objects of God's love. We are His objects at all times. Just like Lazarus. I mean, Jesus could have just wrote the whole thing off and said, Well, he's dead. Let's move on. But He didn't. He cared about him. He loved Mary. He loved Martha. He loved Lazarus. Amen? And so learning to let yourself be loved is a crucial step toward being a transformed person. Learning to let yourself be loved. You skip this step, you skip this step, and transformation will become strained, but not impossible. Someone once said, The longest journey we will ever take is from the head to the heart. See, this journey must take place if we are going to be transformed at all. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the believers in the book of Ephesus, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2, John's going to put it up there for you in the Passion. And I'm going to try to, oh, there it is, Philippians, I know. Philippians 2, verse 16. I said, okay, I'm sorry. Ephesians 2. I was talking because I saw Philippians. <laughs> Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Ephesians, yeah, that's a new book. It's my translation. You can't have it. It's Ephesians. I've invented a lot of words in 36 years of preaching, like use and, okay. <laughs> if I listen to my mother, I took, brought my mother home from Florida last week. I learned a lot of new words from her. She can't say sandwich. She has to say stangowitch. She can't say toilet says toilet. I said, come on, Mark, let's go. <laughs> let's go back to Ohio. <laughs> flew, flew down to Florida Tuesday. Late in the sun, Wednesday. And on Thursday, I got back on the plane and came home with my 89-year-old mom. And she loved it. First class, first seat in the plane. She loved it. Rubbed her back all the way back. You know? We had a blast. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. 16. Are you there? Is John up there? That's what I said. Ephesians, not Ephesians, not John. I'm just hoping I'm in the right place because I'm so... Ephesians 2.16, "...and two have now become one." Is that what it says? Yep. "...and we lived restored to God and reconciled in the body of Christ. Through His crucifixion, hatred died through his crucifixion hatred died for the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace to you the ones who were distant and to those who are near and now because we are united to Christ we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. Wow. Come on. you got to say, wow. A lot of truth there. Through His crucifixion, hatred died. For the Messiah has come to preach this sweet message of peace. I mean, come on. I wish every pulpit could have that message. Just a sweet message of peace. Amen. And so, you are not foreigners or guests, but rather you are the children of the city of the Holy Ones with all the rights as family members of the household of God. Paul wants us to experience God's love, not just study it or hear about it, We need to feel it in our hearts. Amen? Swelling inside to know that God loves us as much as Jesus loved Lazarus. Knowing love personally is a whole lot different than reading about it. We can have a wealth of knowledge and yet remain unmoved, unalive, and unaltered But Paul knew this all too well because years of his training and years of his life was trying to please God as a Pharisee. sucked the very life out of Him as human effort always will. Now Paul tells us that that love surpasses knowledge. Sacred and divine love (coughs) cannot be explained it can only be experienced. I mean, there's nothing like an experience when you get married. There's a difference. Amen? Okay. We've got about three people that agree. When we become engulfed by the love of God, we do not remain the same. This amazing love changes us from the inside out. How many say Jesus is an inside man? He's always working from the inside out. See, while human love has the power of its own to get people to do strange things, it's only sacred love, divine love, that brings the life you and I need. And when we know our true identities in Christ as the beloved of God, and understand our birthright, we awaken to the life that we were created to live. I'm telling you. Know your identity. Know who you are in Christ. and Declare it. Decree it. Say it. Convince yourself first. <laughs> you have to say it out loud, okay? Thank you, Teresa. It is, it is a life God passionately wants us to live. And at the tomb of Lazarus, we see that love Compels Jesus to initiate, and this same love will make Lazarus respond. This is what love does, not because Bob Goff wrote a book. Love does. If you haven't read that book, you should. Love does. You ever hear that book? Love does. Bob Goff. Goff, G-O-F-F. I gave it once to a young woman who was one of our accountants in our church, and she was sitting in the office and. She was telling me how much she loved to read. I said, well, I got a book for you to read. What's great about that book is when you open the first like 5, 10, 15 pages, you have no idea that you're in for Jesus. Because he don't talk about Jesus right away. He gets you involved. He gets you excited. And then he starts dribbling Jesus stuff in there. And by the end of the book, you're saved. <laughs> it's a good book. <laughs> Love. Does. I, used to, I, had, I had about 15 pa- t- copies at one time because I wanted to give them to everybody I knew. But at the tomb, we see Jesus initiating the love. And this is the same love that made Lazarus respond. And this is what love does. It makes us move away from death to life and causes us to move to change, to transformation. Without the personal experience of this love, we will just remain the same. You know how many people still remain the same after they're born again? They just remain the same. Because they don't allow love, the love of God, to get in their hearts. See, the greatest transforming agent in our lives is God's divine love. The seed of transformation that took root in our lives through Christ was planted by love. So that we can accept to be loved by God. Because Jesus is the voice of love. Perhaps Lazarus had this same understanding. He, like us, had seen Jesus' miracles, heard His words, but until Jesus stood in front of that tomb calling his His own name out, he had missed what he needed most to live as Jesus intended. Lazarus could not taste for himself the transforming power of God until Jesus spoke directly to him in the tomb. How I many of he would have said, come forth? He'd have empty out every, every grave in the whole world. They would, everybody would have came out. That's why he was specific and said, Lazarus, come forth. It can be so much easier to tell others that God loves them than to believe in our own hearts that God loves me. I mean, it's a lot easier to say to somebody, God loves you. But how many believe that God loves you? God loves you your heart. He loves you. He accepts you just as you are. Just like you are. You don't have to come clean. He'll take care of the unwrapping of the grave clothes. And He'll get other believers to help Him unwrap you. He'll put you in a church or a fellowship, or a group of people who will help you get unwrapped from your grave clothes. Amen? Yet unless God's love becomes personal to us, we will never be able to experience authentic transformation because we won't believe that God is able to transform us into who He created us to be. I don't believe a lot of Christians even believe they're sons of God. Because if you believed you were sons of God, you'd never sin again. If you believed that. If you believed you were son of God, you would never commit another sin. But if you believe you're just a sinner, saved by grace, and now you're still a sinner, you're going to act like a sinner. That's because that's what you believe. But if you believe you're a son of God or a daughter of God, and that's your identity... Sin becomes foreign. Because you're not sin conscious. You're not sin focused. You're Christ conscious. You're Spirit conscious. You're God conscious. This kind of love simply says, I matter and you matter too. This kind of love is irresistible and contagious. And until we realize that Jesus is willing and able to come to our own tombs and speak words of love, we'll live a lie. live the lie of this world that wants us to believe that we're nobodies. That we're failures. When the Bible says we're conquerors. More than conquerors. When the Bible says we're not the tail, we're the head. Amen? The Bible declares a lot of things about us that sometimes we have to declare and decree every day so that our default mindset that keeps going back to the grave starts believing in the resurrection. See, in our churches we will stand alone in fear that we may not call our name out because as He called the name of Lazarus. See, this kind of... I mean, there's fears going on. Please. Just fears going on in our world today. And this kind of lie robs us of the life Jesus wants for us. A life in which we enjoy the love of God who would do anything to free us. Did you hear what I said? Jesus would do anything to set you free. Anything. And if we live believing that God always is angry, which He's not, annoyed or disappointed with us, He's not. God's not mad. The war is over. (laughs) The war is over. That's why Jesus went to the cross, to set it all straight. And we will never hear His voice calling us from the tomb, our tomb. And here is Jesus' invitation of love to us. Let me just read it to you. Matthew. Did I say that clear enough? Matthew. Matthew. Matthew I'm glad I don't have to be the electronic guy that has to clean all that up before they put it on podcast Matthew eleven twenty eight in the message translation are you tired are you worn out yet how's life working for you that's my translation Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. I'll put you in the corner. I'll put you on the shelf. So you can't do nothing. I'll put you up there. You don't think He does that? You just read Jeremiah 18. Just read Jeremiah 18 will put you on the shelf. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Boy, I could preach ten sermons just out of that one phrase. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Isn't that marvelous? If it doesn't fit, Jesus won't put it on you. If we could only teach the pastors of the church that. They're always trying to put something on you. When sometimes it doesn't fit you. Amen? That's why you have to be ready to say, no, not for me. Because you know what's for you and what's not. Amen? You're born again. You're filled with the Spirit. Amen? You're a son. You're a daughter. You got it together. (laughs) Thanks for being honest, Mark. Let me finish this so I can move on. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. These are the words... We need to let them... These are the words we need to sit with and listen to. He won't lay anything ill-fitting on you. Amen? These are the words of love. Recover your life. Take a real rest. Watch how I do it, and especially live freely and lightly. These are the words of love, are they not? These are the words of invitation to come to Jesus. Realizing what it means to truly experience Jesus is also a part of transformation. When we are worn out by our own attempts to change a habit, I don't know if you've ever had that problem, it's time for Jesus to show up, show us the way. Did you ever t- try to change something? Even her, if you, keep, if you do something different for 21 days, it goes away. Who's ever tried that and knows it doesn't work? Will power doesn't make it. You need another companion. He's called a comforter. You need the Holy Spirit. Transforming love gives us the security to really live. It reminds us of our true identity as sons and daughters of God, the beloved of God. And when we realize and recognize how much God loves us, you're going to get sick of me talking about His love. That's okay. We are recognizing who He created us to be. If He is love, who should we be? You know? What does the world need? God's love. Jesus was determined not even to, that, that not even death would separate Him from the love He had from Lazarus. Not even death. You know, there is a scripture somewhere in there that says love is stronger than death. And Apostle Paul reminds us that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing. Romans 8. What's the best chapter in Romans 8? Especially in the message. But you might, I know, you might like the Amplified. But Romans 8.34, who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who raised us to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Did you hear that? Sticking up for you. He's in the presence of God, sticking up for you. I know you're, another translation may say, making intercession for you. That doesn't always commute well. I mean, it doesn't always give you the good message. Amen? Sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? These are questions that you know what the answers are for. And there is no way, not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. But none of this phases us, verse 37, because Jesus loves us. Can you say that? Jesus loves us. Say that Jesus loves us. Okay, let's change now. Jesus loves me. And I'm absolutely convinced that nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us has embraced us. And here Paul elaborates in his famous Roman 8 text when he mentions a few wild, untamed, force rhythms of grace that we might think could castrate love's power. Until you hear the voice of love calling you, the greater voice of love is more powerful than the voices that are competing against you with this truth. The sacred love expressed through the voice of Jesus is the strongest force we have ever seen or heard. See, gravity may hold the planets in orbit. And nuclear force may hold the atom together. But only love has the power to transform people. Someone to love us. Someone to fight for us. Someone to be for us. And not against us. Someone to come to get us out. Someone who demonstrates that we matter. Someone who says, I want you. I accept you. As you are. I am here for you. Let's move forward together. I'll unwrap you. I'll unwrap your grave clothes. And when Jesus spoke these three important words to Lazarus, Lazarus come forth, forth, He was demonstrating that He was for Lazarus. And this is what love does. Sacred love, God's love, announces to, to us time and time and time and time again that God is for us. Who can be against us? And until we experience the power of divine love, God's love, we will run to anyone who promises to give it, try anything we can to experience it, hold anyone or anything so that we can feel it, but in the end we're going to come back to the same realization that God's love alone frees us. God's love alone transforms us. God's love alone is the love that can bring us back from the dead. From a dead past, from a struggling present. It doesn't matter. God's love is for us. I like the worship team to come. God's love alone frees us to change. Amen. Let me end this sermon today with First Corinthians thirteen. I was going to do the whole chapter, but let me just read starting in verse 4. It says, love is, this is a passion translation, love is large. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. For it never stops believing the best for others. love, Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. And love never stops loving. Love never stops loving.